Welcome to the Northeast Christian Podcast. We're so excited that you've decided to check out our weekly messages. We hope that you're challenged and inspired by what you're hearing today. We'd love to have you join us this weekend at one of our campuses or online at northeast.live. For more information on Northeast, visit us at necchurch.org. If you love the Northeast podcast, subscribe to our channel and leave us a comment or a rating in the Apple Podcast Store. Um, if you would, will you stand with me right now? And what we're going to do to begin today is uh, we are going to do a long scripture reading <clears throat> from Romans chapter 12. Uh, it's 21 verses, okay, so, so bear with me. But this is an important chapter. Then after that, we're going to have a family talk, okay, family talk. It's going to be a congregational reading. You can throw the first slide up there. I'll read the part in uh, white, and you guys read the part uh, highlighted in green. Got it? All right, I'll take the white. Apostle Paul writes this to the church in Rome. He says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, Paul, uh, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. I just loved hearing the church read that verse together. Paul goes on. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy... If your gift is serving others, if you are a teacher, if your gift is to encourage others, if uh, it is giving, if God has given you leadership ability, and if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge, 
Leave that to the righteous anger of God. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Word of the Lord. You can be seated. Wow. And thanks be to God for every last word of his word. So uh, if that passage sounds familiar to you, uh, Northeast uh, folks, it's because I've tried to read that chapter in full together as a church um, every year for like the last four or five years. Because if you were to ask me for the best vision from Scripture of what the Love the Ville Church ought to look like, it's that right there. Romans chapter 12. Thank you, Paul. All right. In this chapter, he answers some of the most significant and pressing questions that we have as individuals about life, but also that we might have as a community. I mean, he shows us in this chapter, in, uh, in verse 1, what it means to truly worship. You ever wonder what true worship looks like according to scripture? Very clear summary. He showed us how to come to the knowledge of God's will. In 12.2. You ever ask yourself like, what is, what is God's will for me in this moment? Or, or where is God taking our family? Where is God taking our church? The path to that is, is clearly laid out there. He shows us how to maximize our impact and our health as a church. In verses three through eight. Oh, and spoiler alert, if you missed it when we were reading through it the first time, it's gonna take all of us. And then last but certainly not least for the rest of the chapter, uh, he just riffs on how to live and I quote, the good life according to God. How to be a person owned and controlled, consumed by love. So I'll go ahead and tell you church, if we can master the words and the ways of this chapter right here, then the peace and the joy and the fulfillment of following Jesus will invade our homes and will invade our days. And the presence of Jesus will radiate out of this community. Now, uh, I was listening to a Christian aid worker speak recently about the uh, church in, uh, in the Ukraine. Uh, the, the speaker's name was Andreat. Um, he had spent some time in Poland assisting Ukrainian churches and UK Ukrainian Christians that were refugees coming across the border. Okay, spoiler alert, the Ukrainian church, it's, it's going through some hard times right now. I have some pictures of some church, churches in the Ukraine. Um, for those of you who don't know, Poland is like a Western neighbor of the Ukraine. So as refugees pour across the border, the Polish church is feeling the weight and the burden of all these people who need assistance and need love. Now you would think that this great burden would crush the Polish church. It would tire them out. But one worker said that it's actually having the opposite effect. It hasn't burdened them. It has completely revitalized the churches, especially those along the border. Doing the real work of Jesus, loving refugees, feeding the poor, bearing the burden of your brother and sister Christian. It has filled them with a sense of real purpose. Huh, imagine that. Now, you see, the Ukrainians have every reason to scorn and hate the church by that, uh, right now, by the way. They do. 
Uh, Public theologian Russell Moore, uh, he wrote an interesting article last year on the Christian nationalism that's happening in Russia right now. Uh, He details how the Russian Orthodox Church has basically joined forces, joined, joined, joined forces. Get a little drink here. (laughs) He details how the Russian Orthodox Church has joined forces with Putin. Little picture for you here. On the left is obviously Vladimir Putin. On the right is the patriarch of the Russian Orthodox Church. And in September of last year, the patriarch declared that uh, dying in Ukraine as part of Putin's army, and I quote, washes away all sins. Now in the 11th century, there was this thing that happened called the Crusades. Uh, Pope Urban II kicked those off with a historical speech, just historical for all the wrong reasons, because in that speech, He said words eerily similar. Now, fortunately, Pope Francis, the Pope of the Catholic Church today, um, he's speaking very, very different words. He actually reached out to his colleague and brother Christian, the patriarch of the Russian Orthodox Church, and he told him, don't be Putin's altar boy. Direct quotation. And ouch. Ouch. A little smack talk from the world's religious leaders. Can't say I, I disagree with them. Now, we Christians got to learn from this. We should learn a thing or two about giving blind allegiance to flawed politicians. Politicians make bad saviors. You know that, right? Now, the only reason why the Ukrainians are finding God right now, uh, rather than cursing him during a war, Uh, is because the nameless pastors and churches on the ground in Poland and the Ukraine that are serving them. Not the figureheads compromising on the front page, but the pastors and church people who are loving them on the war-torn streets. Can I just say we should learn from this as well, by the way. Get Putin off the screen. In a day of 24-7 breaking news where there are real-time updates flashing on social media about the things happening all over the world and the important people who are doing this and how outraged or influenced by it all you should be. In a day like that, it is easy to give all of our attention and emotional energy to people and events largely out of our control. I pulled up the front page of the Winston-Salem Journal this morning just as an exercise in this. And uh, here's what I found. In the click of a button on the front page, I can give you a full profile on the market. I can tell you about why China's uh, economy is stagnant right now. I can tell you about the pay gap and stock options of some of the richest CEOs on the planet Earth. And I can tell you about how Chris Rock goes off in his new Netflix comedy special. But can I tell you my neighbor's name? You see, you know when the world gets changed? It's when people get their minds off the world and start giving their hearts to their neighbors as Jesus called us to. And Andrea said, these heroic pastors and churches are doing just that right now. So Andrea and his team are doing everything they can to try to get the resources 
that they need to the pastors, to the church people to reach and love these people. Um, he said one day one of the Ukrainian pastors reached out to him and he's like, hey, got a request for you. Um, I need a bulletproof vest. To which they were like, interesting request. Haven't got that one yet. Um, what do you need a bulletproof vest for? And, uh, and the pastor explained that in order to get food and supplies to the people of his church, he had to cross battlefields that were very dangerous. No one else will go there to help them though, he said. So they got him a bulletproof vest. And for weeks, this pastor has been running like basically a free Grubhub service for the people of his community and his church while dodging bullets. The same pastor continued to hold Bible studies at his home. And one night during a Bible study when 15 people were there, a, uh, a rocket hit his home. But God worked a miracle. Somehow everyone survived. Apparently God is not done with this pastor or those people quite yet. Here's what's even cooler. Andrea said that this pastor's church is growing rapidly. Um, so when they went to meet some of the people who were joining the church, this is what the people there told them. They said, we don't even know what this church teaches, but we're staying. This is our church. Now, could you imagine being a church that relevant? Could you imagine being a church that cutting edge, that dangerous, that beautiful, that helpful, that irresistible, that powerful, so powerful that rockets can't even take you down and people continue to pour into your church because the irresistible presence of Jesus that's just radiating into your community, irregardless of how good your preaching is or how great your worship is, could you imagine being that sort of church? Hey, the roadmap is Romans 12 and it's what we're after here at the Loveville Church. So for the next few weeks, we're gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk about what it means to be all in. Uh, but before, uh, before, before we go into some of the like, corporate things that we, we wanna ask of you, <coughs> uh, I wanna have a family talk today. Sometimes we have a little family talk a few times a year. Um, if you're new, you know, you're welcome to join in and listen to us to our family talk. Um, it'll give you a good idea of who we are and what we're about here. But um, I kind of just caught an audible this week because I felt like we needed to talk, fam, about what's happened here the last two weeks. Who has been here um, at least one of the last two weeks? Okay. We got to talk. Because Northeast people, doesn't it feel like God's doing something special? Different? Yeah. So the last two weeks, uh, we have seen things happen in our church that has never happened before in its 45-year existence. There's been a lot of good things happen in Northeast, by the way. Um, what's happened the last two weeks is just, it's new. It's new for us. And it came out of nowhere, by the way. But all of a sudden, there's just been this outpouring of like prayer and authentic worship and engagement and shalom, really, just shalom in our services. God just breaking people with conviction or comforting people with deep peace or sending people out with a really clear vision, filling people with a deep sense of love, mending relationships. The stories I've heard are beautiful. Now, I'm going to confess to you, though. Um, 
What happened the last two weeks, I never thought they would happen here at our church. Never. It's not an understatement. I've told some of you this story before. Uh, two years ago, I got the opportunity to preach at a men's conference for one of my friends. He leads a church that has campuses in Illinois and Missouri. Um, great guy. He's Clay- Clayton Hensel. He preached last year. He's coming back this year. Um, it'd be great to hear him preach this summer. But uh, I went to preach at his men's conference. And when I went in the room, there was just this sort of like environment, like p- power, I don't know, energy in there. You've ever been into a worship room before? You just like, sometimes you can feel it. You're like, oh. God's going to do something here. And I couldn't figure out what it was. Like, I felt like our building was better than theirs. <laughs> our worship team sang the same songs. Like, I was preaching, same preaching, right? So what, what was different about this room? And uh, then I saw it. The worship leader uh, went up there, and he, he strummed the first chord of the song. And immediately, the men of the church started pouring forward and kneeling in front of the stage and praying. Their, their stage has stairs, like cloth carpeted stairs going around the whole thing. And people use the stairs as just sort of an altar and they pray. And I'm talking about all the men, young men and old men. There were guys that rolled up to that stage in tank tops and jorts smelling like Marlboros. There were guys who rolled up there in, you know, business casual attire with cle- you know, pleated khakis. Didn't matter. They were all united in the same purpose. They were all united by the same Jesus and they were all giving their vulnerable worship to him. And I thought, oh, there it is. If the men can do it, because men are always like, you know, can't move during service, can't scratch. You know, like if the men will do it, then you know, man, I bet you the worship services are crazy here. And I remember I told Clayton at the end of that conference, I said to him, I said, man, that is awesome the culture that God has created here. I'm so happy for you. That'll never happen on the East End. Direct quote, that will never happen on the East End. Because East End people, you're good. We, I've been living over here for a decade. We're good people. We're just too professional for that sort of thing, you know? We're just too self-conscious to like go all the way in during worship, because you never know who might see you, right? Like you never know who might see you and be like, oh, is that the director from where I work there? And he's going down with his wife and they're crying up front. Oh, I bet you his life's screwed up. Let's text seven people. Like that's what goes through your head. You laugh because it's true. It's like East End folks are good people. We're good people. We're just not going to be vulnerable like that in public. Too much pride, too much professional clout on the line, too worried about what others think. That'll never happen on the East End. Forgive me, church. I confess I was wrong. I already talked to God about it this week. He's forgiven me. I felt like I needed to say it to you today. Because the last couple weeks have just been, wow. Um, God's worked through our obedience. He's worked through our vulnerability. You you can see the pictures here from last week. And again, here's the thing. It's all God. It's all God because your pastor didn't even believe in you. I do now. Now, I have either seen or heard 
This is not a pastor overstatement. A hundred stories over the last two weeks of how God has moved in significant ways in people's lives in our worship services. I want to just tell you a few today. Um, I have a friend, a friend who is an influential leader in this city. He carries more weight, I believe, in a week than most people do in an entire year. And he's had a pretty tough run at it over the past few months. But uh, he said that last week, he just found himself walking down the aisles. He just found himself coming up to the, to the rug right there up front. And uh, he kneeled down at the stage. And he just asked God simply for help. God, I just need your help. And he said that God ministered to him. The Spirit ministered to him. And he left that day, and I, this is his words, not mine, with more peace than he has felt in years. I have another friend who is going through marriage struggles. They showed up at church a couple weeks ago and she said that she was just praying that someone would see the pain and the heartache on her her face and in her body and offer to help. Sure enough, one of the people in our worship team, uh, on our worship team, while they're leading worship, saw her, reached out to her, ministered to her that day and... And the next week I saw them come forward, the couple together, and just ask God for help and healing in their marriage. There's a family in our church that uh, has a daughter with Down syndrome. She is one of the sweetest human beings I know. And she's grown up here, found Jesus in this place, praise God. Her dad's been a volunteer in our worship department for years. And she's apparently always wanted to go on stage and lead worship with her dad. Who was at the 11 a.m. last week? Okay, so show enough, last week, last song, all of a sudden I looked up on stage, Nate's leading in the back, and there's McKenna standing right next to him on stage leading worship with her father. And I just look, and there's like this joy radiating off, radiating off Nate's face, you know, like his wife is just standing right there in front of me, praising God, and I'm like, like, look at how God's ministering to this family right here. I mean, I'm sure life hasn't always been easy for them, right? But I'm so glad that they knew that this was a place where it was okay to do that. You can do that. Worship with your daughter, right? (laughs) Go for it. I saw a dad two weeks in a row um, who uh, has a son with some significant physical and mental impairments uh, bring his son um, up front here and and just pray and worship from from the rug rug here. Um, Occasionally, they're in the 11 a.m. service, I'm pretty sure. Sometimes uh, the, the son's verbal. He'll, he'll shout out during the service. And I want you to know if that kind of stuff ever happens, it does not bother me at all. You know that, right? Don't let it bother. It doesn't bother me at all. It's, this is his church too. It's his church too. So like, uh, it's okay. Um, and so one week they were down in front and he had laid his son in front of him and he was on his knees singing to God um, in worship. And, uh, and all of a sudden, him and his son started having a wrestling match. And he didn't initiate it, okay? So like grabbing him, like pulling him by the head. Here's the thing. They were singing the song in that moment, um, Goodness of God. So while his son's like wrestling him by the head, this dad has got eyes up on the lyrics. You know, you could just tell he is connected with God. Like this is his daily experience, by the way. This is his life. You know, I don't know that life, but he knows that life. And he's got his hands up. All my life you have been faithful. Headlock, you know. Like, all my life you have been so, so good. Chris Rook, you know. Like just, and I mean, I'm thinking to myself, this moment's for me, not for him. This moment's for me. Because what an example. Last week, I saw four high school girls walk over to a lady 
singing next to me. They grabbed her by the hand, brought her to the rug, and they all kneeled together and prayed. Come to find out this lady is their high school small group leader. High school girls just wanted to bless her for her investment. So they sang together, they cried together. What a God moment. And I'm thinking to myself, look, if I'm Laura Lee, uh, then my passion for the next generation is renewed. And that, like, I know in my heart that I'm making an eternal difference in my life by investing in these young people. And I'm leaving church that day with some joy. Just last Saturday, a young couple in our church got engaged. Um, both their families attend Northeast, 11 o'clock service, pretty cool. And I watched as both families huddled together up front and prayed together, both families. Because very soon, the two families will become one in marriage. I saw two adult daughters pray over their mother who became a widow during COVID, thanks to COVID. I saw one of our pastors lay hands on a gentleman in our church who lost his wife and just misses her right now. I got an email just this week from a friend that said God broke his heart right in the middle of the service and just gave him conviction and clarity about a big life decision, just bang, in the service because he was all in. I saw countless people receiving the ashen mark of the cross with tears in their eyes. I saw countless parents pulling their kids close and praying over them. I saw people going and laying hands on their friends and praying for them. I saw couples kneeling together, holding hands, speaking encouragement, strengthening marriages. I, I watched as, uh, as Missy, Corbin's wife, two weeks ago, just came up on stage, laid hands on her husband and prayed for him. So proud of her. Aaron Crane, the worship pastor at Clifton, told me that near the end of their service, his teenager just came on stage unprompted, wrapped his arms around his dad, and the two of them just wept together for joy. They didn't even know exactly why they were crying, like just having a moment, right, of love between a father and a son. You know what that's like. Speaking of Clifton, Aaron told me two weeks ago at the end of their service, um, he left at 11.45 and half the people were still there. That's 45 minutes after the service is over with. Still there, worshiping. I felt led last week during this service to bring my eight-year-old son in here with me. We sat right there on the front row, worshiped together. The reason why is because I felt just a sense of conviction uh, that, that this up to this point in his life, as his lead discipler, and I am as his father, um, I've done a good job teaching my son the Bible, but I've not done a good job at teaching him how to pray, like modeling that for him. Um, I grew up in a church environment where I was taught the Bible so well, and I was taught to pray, but it wasn't like a personal, passionate, daily, intimate relationship type of prayer, and I want that for my son. So I thought, we're about to do it, like in our worship service. His church is about to model this for him. His leaders are gonna model this for him on stage. He's gonna see his elders in the church come forward. And, and so I had to bring him in and it was great. We had this wonderful prayer time together and I'm sitting there like coaching. I'm like, look, you see them praying together? This is what's happening. This is what's happening. This is what we do as followers of Jesus. This is how we talk to God. It was a moment. I'm so thankful for a church, by the way, that creates moments for me as a father to invest in my son like that. Now, I could go on and tell you a hundred stories. I literally could. But just show of hands real quick, how many people in this room were touched by God in a small or big way over the last two weeks? I mean, praise God, just look around. So here's what I want you to hear me say today, okay? Our gatherings the last two weekends are a snapshot of what we're capable of every weekend. I believe that. I believe that. When we corporately worship with reckless abandon, God, he uniquely ministers to individuals in this room in big and small ways right here in this place. 
So we have to be all in. We have to be. See, when we all decide to be obedient to God in the same moment, in the same room, his power and his presence are unleashed. Like maybe you don't get the blessing from God this week. Maybe you don't receive an overwhelming sense of his comfort. Maybe you don't get your prayer answered or you don't have a precious moment with your spouse or or with your kid, but somebody else does. So if anything, we gotta go all in each week for the person next to you who's at the end of their rope needing God. Like we must create an environment of obedience, fearlessness, and expectation. And you know what? The reason why we're clapping is because secretly that's what we all want anyways, right? We want that. We wanna be in an environment where we don't have to be embarrassed about our passion for Jesus. We wanna be a place where we can like weep with our friends over hard things or kneel with our children and speak blessing about their future. We wanna be in a place where we can find freedom from our phones for like just an hour and sing loudly to God. We wanna be able to go forward and receive prayer without fear of judgment. We wanna be able to raise hands and clap to God and shout hallelujah because God saved us. The good news of the gospel is truly good news. We don't wanna show that like it's perfectly programmed, okay, three songs, a sermon and communion, then walk out while the host is doing the final announcements, right? Like that's, no, no, we're done with that. Like what you wanna do is you wanna look around each week and you wanna think like these people ain't perfect. My pastor ain't got it all together. But God is going to fill the redeemed of the Lord today on resurrection day with resurrection power for the rest of the week ahead. This, by the way, isn't just the church that you're looking for. It's what the lost are looking for too. It's what the broken are hurting and hurting are looking for when they stumble in here. It's what the next generation is longing for in some community, some movement, some church. They ain't looking for celebrity swag. They ain't looking for a pithy TED Talk sermon. They ain't looking for hit music or whatever. They're asking, do these people know God and can they introduce me to the capital S source of life itself? And that can be us every weekend. We know God, don't we? We know where abundant life comes from. We've tasted and seen the goodness of God. We have a personal relationship with the way, the truth, and the life, praise him. And our gatherings are starting to look like that. So I say, well done, Northeast, all in, keep it up. This is a beautiful turning point for our church, but burn the bridges, burn the boats, because we ain't going back to who we were. God's doing something new. now. Here's the catch though, here's the catch. Can I take it one step further? These these last couple weekends show us a snapshot of what we're capable of every weekend. But one step further, you know where I'm going with this, right? They also show us what we are capable of every single day. Because see, God doesn't just call us to go all in on Sundays for an hour. He invites us to the joy of going all in every, it's an invitation to joy, by the way, it is. And he invites us to that joy every day, everybody, everywhere, home, workplace, city, church, school, doesn't matter. And imagine if, imagine if we took the same level of obedience and passion into our marriages, into our friendships, and into our parenting. Imagine if we took it to work on Monday. Imagine if we took it to the poor throughout the week. Imagine if obedient worship wasn't just a Sunday service, but it was a lifestyle. More on that next week, but imagine if. So look, you know what this time on Sunday really is? When the redeemed of the Lord gather together? It's practice. 
we get to practice obedience and worship in a safe space where we can be all in for Jesus. Because if we can't do it in here, we will never be able to do it out there. So I'm gonna get out the way. Here's your pillows. Here's your rugs. We got three songs and communion to show God what he's worth. This doesn't have to be fake. Doesn't have to be whipped up emotions or weird. You don't have to manufacture emotions. Just same appeal as the previous two weeks. Give God your attention. Follow the lead of your worship pastors and immediately obey every nudge that God gives you today. Let's be here. Let's be all in. In fact, if you feel like you've been holding something, anything back from God, Maybe it's just an ounce of passion. Maybe it's a habit that you need to kick. Maybe it's a relationship, a forgiveness that you need to give. I don't know what it is. If you've been feeling like you've been holding anything back from him and going all in and making Jesus your king, I would welcome you today. Use this time of prayer to come forward and surrender it. Let's worship together.